This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Elias Chinsara talks about his call to the priesthood. What does he like best about being a priest? Well, let's find out. Father Elias is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Loper. We get to bring in great local guests, and I saw him walk in with a great smile on his face. I was like, we have got a great hour in store for us, so we are going to walk, and I'm going to mess up this name, so you're going to have to help me here. Father Elias... Chinzara. Chinzara. Yes. Chinzara. Chinzara. Okay. Where are you from, Father? I'm from Zimbabwe. Yes. Which nice. is in Southern Africa. Yes. Yes. Yes, we have some mice. You know, Father, all good things begin with prayer. So would you lead us in a prayer for exactly. this next segment? Yeah. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of love. We thank you for the gift of one another. We thank you for the gift of the family. We pray that you may sanctify us, you may bless us as we try to reach out to the poor, to the people all over the world. Give us the grace to bring out the voice to, for the voiceless. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, so by way of introduction, um, we are talking with Father Elias Chinzera. Uh, am I saying that right? Perfect. Okay. And uh, he is from Zimbabwe, which is located in Southern Africa. He is currently the beloved parochial vicar of Immaculate Heart of Mary in Hayes. We're going to learn a little bit about your vocation story. And uh, so how is, is life different? You know, and, and give us a little bit of information about how life is different. And um, then we'll continue on with your vocation exactly. story. Well, Life is very simple, very easy, and very cheap. There is no difference between uh, the culture, the politics, and the religion. It's one thing. There are no people who say, we are for politics, and then some say, we are for religion. We are for culture. It's like a, a continuation, so to speak. There's no big deal, no difference. If you don't go to church, people question you and say, what's up? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You should go to church. Yeah. Everybody must go to church. Yeah. It's normal. Yeah. Whether you go to Methodist, Catholic, Seventh-day Adventist, no big deal. You must go to church. And then the culture is like, you know, married with religion, with the church. Maybe we took it from Vatican II, when they talk of uh, inculturation, like culture must be evangelized or get married together with religion. Maybe even our masses are different from here. They are so rich. When you go to church, you switch off your phone or your, uh, your time and take it easy. And we are the church which is allowed to dance in church. We dance the music, the Gloria, Mm. oh, beautiful. That's what I'm missing. 
You know, I, I've seen the beautiful dancing, and oh my goodness, it's just—it's <laughs> true. And I think I think they dance not just in church, but for everything. I know exactly. we went to a birthday mm-hmm. party, and they carried in the cake and danced. You know, formed a whole you know kind of what we would call like a conga line or exactly. something. You know, and just just completely dancing. It, exactly. It's just beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also don't discuss about abortion. Yeah. It's sacred uh, to talk about life, so we no longer discuss about abortion. Well, in our constitution, it's uh, illegal and uh, it's murder. Uh, we have, instead of abortion, we have baby dumping. Baby ah, dumping. dumping. Like, you yes. know, someone will go, uh, grow, and the pregnancy will grow, give birth, and then take the child to the convent, yeah. to the sisters, or to the rectorate for the priest, or to the police at yeah. night. Yeah. So we have lots of orphanages, it's because of that. If they catch you aborting, you are in trouble. Yeah. That's that's a good thing, right? That's a that's a good Somehow thing. better maybe we are going to improve yeah. on the baby dumping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But but still at least the they're giving the baby life. You exactly. Know. Is, is what are the rules? It, it makes me wonder, you know, if if people are wanting to adopt here in America, is there a way to adopt the the babies that are yes, that are being but adopted? in a small way because America is too far from uh, mm. Zimbabwe. But uh, I've seen some children adopted from the orphanages in California or Boston. Mm-hmm. Yes, in a small way. Yes, they are yeah. doing it because maybe of distance. It's possible. Um, tell us about your family and growing up and how the Catholic faith was practiced. Yes. Um, I'm from a family of 10 children, five boys, uh, five girls. Yeah. And uh, I think what brought us together as a Catholic family is to pray normally in the evening, yeah. pray together normally in the evening. Yeah, I used to complain to my mom, before I go to bed, you have to pray. That was the condition. You have to pray. And then also, my mom was a bit tough. If you don't go to church, no meals. You're not going to eat. Uh, I remember one day, I didn't go to church because of certain reasons, and there was no meals for me, no food. It was like um, harsh, but now looking back, I can say, thank you, mom for give me the Catholic faith. And um, the fr- also another aspect is the friendship with the priests. We, you know, we were friends to our local priests. And guess what? The priests were coming from, uh, from USA. Father Paul was coming from New York and Father Matthias was coming from Detroit. And we were friends, and they used to visit us. We grew up, we know, in a good atmosphere. Wherever you look around to the elders, you were sort of encouraged to do whatever you want to do. We felt safe, and that was good for us to grow as a, a Catholic family. And we were told, tell the truth all the time, tell the truth. Whether it damages your personality or whatever, you have to tell the truth. And also another aspect was to work hard. You know, we, we used not to buy anything. Maybe buy a loaf of bread once in a while or sugar. We have to produce our own food from our farm. So we used to work hard 
for our food. So we learned it very hard, but uh, looking back now, I will never regret mm. being in that situation. <laughs> Did you regret it then? You know, say looking back now, was it, you know, were you embracing it quite as favorably back then? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You you think, oh, this is abusive. This is not good. <laughs> but now looking back, I will never regret. Well, I got to tell you, your English is amazing. You <laughs> are amazing. You're doing a great job here. So let's go ahead and start talking about your journey to the priesthood, what was it that inspired you? And, you know, how in the world did you go from, from Zimbabwe to coming here to the United States? Yes, um, it's very difficult to talk about uh, the vocation. Only God knows when people are really called. It's actually very difficult. But I suspect I got my vocation when I was in grade three and four when I was serving masses for these missionaries. In other words, I stayed in the, on, the, on the sanctuary forever. I never stayed with the people, serving mass, doing all sorts of things with the priests, the missionaries. I never went back to sit with the people. And the people nicknamed me Father, young as mm-hmm. I was. And then I take the name and uh, enjoy like you, I behaved like a priest yeah. all the time. I think you remember the original meaning of a priest, uh, of a, a server. They were called in Italiano, crequeta, which means a small priest. Mm. Literally, I took it that way, a small priest, staying with the priest uh, in the sanctuary. So I graduated in uh, uh, St. Michael's Mission School after graduation, I went to the seminary. I, uh, the seminary takes like nine years or so. So the first year is called spiritual year, where you are uh, encouraged or taught how to pray, how to pray, how to live like a priest, you know, a celibate. After that first year, I went for three years of philosophy, you know, the pagan philosophy for two years. And then the last year, the third year, uh, Christian philosophy. Then after that, I went for pastoral year, where you are sent out to discern more, to reflect whether you want to take this task. After that year, I came back for theology, four years. It was beautiful to build, you know, on the foundation of philosophy, and then we build the Christian uh, theology on top of that. It worked very well. Then after um, studies, I finished my studies in the year 1998, and then 1999, I was supposed to be ordained. But then the Holy Father, St. John Paul II, said, no, you should not ordain them. Wait for the Jubilee year, 2000. So I was ordained in the year 2000 at my mission. Uh, we were three in our group. We started like 10 and then we end up three being ordained. After ordination, I was sent to St. Peter's Mission. We call the mission because they were founded by the missionaries. I spent there like um, six years at St. Peter's Mission. Then the year 2000, by the end of year 2000, uh, the bishop said I should go to Rome to study. And then I said, okay, I was scared to go and start 
in a foreign language, which is not English. But finally, I went to Rome to study. Uh, I arrived in Rome June 19, 2004. And then I, it was so special to be in Rome that time. That's when we saw John Paul II getting sick, very sick, almost you know, dying. And then finally he died when I was there. I attended the funeral. And then I saw Pope Benedict coming in as the new Pope. And I was lucky I have to, to greet him mm. and to shake hands with him. And then after my studies in Rome, three years, I went back to Zimbabwe to lecture in the seminary. I was teaching dogmatic theology for the, for the theologians. And um, it was beautiful. And I will never forget that moment, you know, sharing yourself, giving yourself out uh, to the seminarians. And um, that when I that's when I learned that life is so delicate. You, have a, you carry the decision for the future of someone. Like you can decide to say he's not going to be ordained. Definitely he's not going to be ordained. Or say he should go home. Definitely he goes home. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I can say, wow, that was too much for me mm -hmm. to make a decision for the future of our, of our seminarians. So what actually ended up bringing you to the United States? Yes, it's a, it's a miracle yeah. that I'm here. Every child who grows in Zimbabwe dreams, that's a high dreaming, you know, ambitious to go to England, yeah. United Kingdom. It's much closer to us than USA. We don't talk of USA. It's too far. So it happened when I was in Rome, my first Christmas in Rome, I was assigned to go to Padua, you know, St. Anton of Padua, that place to Padua. So I decided to go by train. When I was traveling by train, I sit with a couple with their two daughters in train. Everybody was quiet, looking miserable. Mm. They thought maybe I'm from French speaking. You know, in Europe, there's no English. You could hardly speak a word in English. It's like, you know, offensive, insulting to speak a word in English. Mm. So they were like quiet, looking miserable. I thought they are also from uh, maybe from German and then something happened. I spoke a word in English. They were like, ah, you understand English? I said, yes, I don't understand this Italian. I understand English. And then, oh, we become friends. The mother was reading a book on Medjugorje. And then she said, is this the same Mary, the mother of Jesus, or it's another Mary? Then I said, it's the same Mary. We started a dialogue, talking for 30 minutes in travel. And then at the end of the journey, they said, take our email. We want you to be in our, at our home in, in America. I said, well, I took the email. I thought it's a joke. America is too far. Well, after a few weeks, we started communicating in the email, exchanging stories and so on. And then the next summer, they sent me a ticket. Then I came to USA. Mm -hmm through Chicago, then Travel City, uh, Boyne City in, uh, in North Michigan. 
I spent three months. They took me around. I went to Washington, D.C. I went to New York, Ground Zero. I moved around and I liked America. I went back to Rome, went back to Africa, teaching for almost seven years. Then after seven years, my bishop said, well, you should come back to the diocese and do pastoral work. Then I said, well, after staying a long time out of the diocese, I think I, I can take sabbatical. He said, sure. If you find somewhere to go, you can go. Mm-hmm. We don't have money to, to pay for your sabbatical. Then I called the, this couple, the O'Brien, uh, this couple, said, I'm on sabbatical. <clears throat> they said, what's that? I said, a year out. <laughs> they, they said, okay, give us a few hours. They went to see their bishop. Their bishop, you know, I think maybe you may remember him. Arch, now he's now Archbishop in St. Paul's. Archbishop uh, Bernard Hebda. So they went to see him and he said, wow, we love to have him as a young priest. Let him come. So the paperwork started and I came over. When I came around, the the bishop also said, you have a background of education. You were teaching in the seminary. I'm sending you to the high school. Maybe the one of the biggest Catholic, biggest Catholic um, high school in Michigan. So I went to St. Francis in Travel City. I started, I mean, being a chaplain, and I started calling in in classes, and then finally I was teaching and um, doing my spiritual aspects, spiritual work. And then the Archbishop had the reports, you know, beautiful reports, and then he said, if I can ask your bishop to stay, do you want to stay? I said, yeah. Mm. So he called my bishop, and they said, we want him to stay. He's very useful to the kids. And then I stayed forever. Mm. <laughs> I stayed. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. That is, that's pretty cool. So, but, but what did I misunderstand here? Because I thought the couple that you were staying with was in Michigan. Yes. So how did you get here? Uh, it's a long story. Okay. <laughs> a connection with uh, with the Bishop um, <laughs> Jerry. Okay. okay. Yes, okay. it's a recent uh, development. Otherwise, I was in Michigan since 2013. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. In the high school, in the parish. Okay. Yes, that's, that's another story for another day. Another story <laughs> for another day. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. You'll want to hear the second half of Father Elias's call to the priesthood. On double-edged sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. They call me Father, the vocation story of Father Elias Chinzara. Kelly Loper conducts the interview. Your brother, it says, lives in Hayes. So how did he decide to come to the U.S.? And does his presence help you? Yes, uh... 
he was just like adventure, you know, looking ahead of uh, time, where to spend time, uh, where to work. And he decided to come and see me. Uh, when he came, uh, then he, we went to the authorities and they allowed him to stay. He's here with me in Hayes. Um, it helps a lot because once in a while, when things are tough, we can share ideas. Mm. And then also we can speak our mother language, you know, the, the Shona language, the main Shona uh, language. And then we can also cook our own food. We find the ingredients in different shops and then we can make our own food, eat and talk the stories back home. I think it helps a lot. It gives me a relief of some sort. It gives me joy to see him. As long as he's in USA, it's okay. Mm. Doesn't matter that I should, he should go with me wherever I go. But as long as he's around, we are good to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it's got to be wonderful to have, you know, someone. Because uh, that, that's got to be maybe. What's the hardest thing? That's a good question. What's the hardest thing about leaving <clears throat> Zimbabwe and coming here? What's the hardest thing? Well, the the culture the language we we no longer speak our mother languages you know in zimbabwe we speak like uh, 17 languages we no longer speak one of them uh, only english mm. maybe a bit of spanish i'm doing a bit of spanish yeah yes so you miss the the local people you grew up with yeah. you miss uh, a lot of uh, food a lot of things you miss yeah. but uh, we manage we are too old to miss everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. You say food. There's something that, that uh, the family that, that we're friends with, my son is very good friends with. There's a son who's actually now in seminary. Um, but uh, Mendazi? Is Mendazi an African yes. fruit? They bring yeah. Mendazi. It's like a, a sweet bread. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so a little bit of connection there. Exactly. So the food is very different, you know, when when they bring over their traditional yes, food. Yes, it it's, is. It's very different. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you like best about being a priest? Yes. Uh, being a priest, I like, what I like best is, uh, you know, they call me father. Sometimes I used to wonder when I was a young priest, said, am I a father? Where are the children? But at the end of the day, I found out that, you know, with that great responsibility, honestly, I am the father, spiritual father, mm -hmm. the father of, of a big community. Yeah. I like that to be called father. I know it's a reminder of being responsible. Say, you are responsible for this and that. Yeah. However, what I like most is uh, preaching. With the background of teaching, I want, I wish every Sunday all those who come for Mass understand the Word of God, understand what I'm saying. That's my wish. I want them to understand the Word. So I'm not a good preacher because I always, I'm always teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm I'm always teaching. Some people like it. Some do not like it. Mm. And I normally share. Actually, I like, you know, during the week, I'm reflecting on the word of God, reflecting on the word for Sunday. And come Sunday, 
I'm actually, it's, I speak from my heart, sharing what has touched me. I will never go to the internet uh, to search for my homily. I will never read, but just share what touched me from the word. It seems it's working. Yeah. Yes. It's now almost 10 years since I last read a homily. I just share what touched me, what I think is the best for everybody. Yes. So that's what I like most. I want to, to, to teach and to make everybody understand what is going on. Oh, finally, I want also to be with children. Like now I'm with the chaplain uh, in the high school. I like it. Yes. Yeah. I go to the, to the lower grades, like, you know, the Holy Family, every Wednesday and uh, Fridays. I felt like I lost my, <laughs> you know, my age. I feel like them. And uh, really, we enjoy and we connect. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I bet they do, too. You know, and, and like I said earlier, you just you have you exude a joy. And I think it's infectious. And to be able to go to to the young children yes. and bring that joy and that smile and that laugh. Oh, my goodness. What what a gift that is to, exactly. to be able to bring that. So exactly. awesome. All right. So on the flip side of this. So what are some of the the most challenging parts of, of being a priest? Well, first of all, I'm scared if I go to hell, you know, H-E-L-L. Yeah. I wish if I can be counted among the saints. You never know. But I wish if one day if I can go together with my people, you know, the parishioners to heaven, and then we share stories of how we made it. And then number two, I'm scared of getting old said, if I get old, who is going to look after me? Once in a while, you know, the thought comes, said, if you get old, who is going to look after you? Yeah. Sometimes I visit the nursing homes. Actually, once a month, we go to the nursing homes to say mass. And you see, they are okay, but they are, hey, it's not easy to get old. It's not easy to get old. So it's so it's not a big deal, but uh, sometimes it's so scary to get old. Yeah. And then uh, number three, since the abuses came out, you know, of the children, it's like sensitive to be among the children. You have to be very careful. Yeah. And uh, I don't know the future, the, our future with the children, with the schools, how it is going to be. But uh, it's so scary to be with the children. And uh, you, uh, we, you wonder what actually happened to the priests uh, with that demon who abused the children. And uh, I don't know what the children are thinking about us. So it's so a bit scary, but uh, we'll find our way out. Mm -hmm. We'll make it with the children. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a very, um, it's a very sad situation, and yeah. you know, and, and deny that there were some abuses that occurred, and yeah. and that we do need to be be cautious and careful. But what has been the the favorite part of coming to the United States? You know, I know that the there, you know, we talked about some of the 
the joys that you have about being a priest, but but um, the difference, because you obviously like the United States because they gave you the choice of going back or staying, <laughs> and you chose to stay. Yes. So what's some of the, the, the difference here? What, what kept you here in the United States as a priest? Yes. Um, what I realized in the Americans, not Africans, the Americans, those who go to church truly go to church, no double standard. Mm. They are honest people. They will tell the truth very much. They will tell the truth. And um, those who are Catholics are real Catholics. Those who are not are not. Uh, in Africa, you, you can see double standard, someone doing everything, double standard cheating and so on. But here I can tell you, those who go to church, they are Catholics they, or they are Christians, for sure they are. And then like in Hayes, I thought, you know, after my experience in parts of some parts of America, I thought Hayes is a Catholic city. It's a Christian city. Mm. Like at um, Immaculate Heart of Mary, we have like four or five masses. When you attend the first mass, like 8 o'clock, you think there's nothing going to happen at 10 o'clock. The church is fully packed. And then after 10 o'clock, you stay. I don't think they will come for Spanish mass. They are there at the mm -hmm. Spanish mass. Mm -hmm. And then you say, I think it's over now. 6 o'clock, the church is fully packed. I thought and I think it's a Catholic area. Yes, you know, everything is okay. Yeah. And uh, you see the church in different parts, like the the children, the young adults, the old age. Everybody is there. It's well balanced, mm -hmm. I can say. That brings me joy Yes. if the people come and attend Mass. So what would you say to others discerning um, becoming a priest? If there's somebody out there listening and they are, they're thinking, maybe, maybe I could, you know, become a priest. Maybe I'd be a good priest someday. Well, I can start by saying a vocation is a gift from God. A gift given to some, not all. Because many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. We, all, we can all become priests and nuns or sisters, but God chose few to become priests. So listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and follow your conscience. Don't panic. It's, uh, it's uh, like, uh, you know, it's not definite, like you say, I grow up like I want to become a priest and I become a priest. It's maybe, maybe, maybe the other day you wake up, you want to become a priest. The other day you wake up, you want to become a father of the family. It all depends. And then finally, God is going to show you the way. Be open to the Holy Spirit. And prayer is the best way to go. Pray about your destiny. Pray about your future. Asking God, do you want me to be a, a parent? Do you want me to be a priest? God will show you definitely. Take it, just take it easy and uh, relax. And then finally, find someone to talk to, what we call a spiritual director. You know, share your thoughts, share your views. That person will never mislead you. You say, I am thinking of doing this do you think i qualify 
Why not? You can qualify, but make sure you pray about it and ask God to show you your destiny. Mm, beautiful. That's really, <laughs> really uh, good advice, you know, and it, it does start with prayer. But, you know, you, you talked about how, gosh, you were already thinking about the priesthood in third grade. In third grade, God put that on your heart. That, yeah. that And it, it never left the whole time? It, it never left? Once in a while, become weak, and then the next week, picked up. Yeah. <laughs> so the other day, I wake up and say, I think I should have my children. Said, no, 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 I'm a priest. You know, it goes on like that. Yeah. Those yeah. two types of vocation, you know, being a parent or being a priest or a nun or a sister. It, I mean, it came on and off, on and off. But the priesthood, you know, become a reality. You know, God showed me the way, said, you are a priest. And then I become a priest. That's really beautiful that that it continued. Did you play mass? I mean, so many of the the boys in the United States they have their little you yes. know mass kids and they mm -hmm. played mass, right? We did the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had five brothers, so who got to be the priest? And who got to be the one? <laughs> did you have to fight over it? <laughs> no, uh, three of them were interested. You know, uh -huh. the other one was not interested. Yeah, yeah. And did anybody else in your family enter religious life or the priesthood? Not yet, but maybe their children. Yes. Exactly. Yes, yeah. yeah. Maybe their children, one of them may become a religious or a priest. Yeah. We, we, we pray. Keep praying. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the greatest joy. Oh, my gosh. It's such a such a great joy to, to have that. that as a, to, I, I, you know, I don't have any priests in mind. I have eight children, and I don't but I have one son that's considering um, seminary. I had one that was in seminary for two years and discerned out and now has a is married with a, with a grandbaby. Yeah. And uh, then I have one that's he's a senior in high school this year and he's wow. considering considering but who knows what he'll who knows do. let's yeah, keep praying exactly. let's Just keep, keep praying. praying we don't know and you know really truly we want what god wants right you yes, know that's that's, that's what that's we true. want for our children is whatever god wants what is god's will we exactly. just want them to, uh -huh. to follow god's will and so um yeah we'll see see where that goes but we still have four minutes left father anything that you would like to share i mean you've taken an hour here to be with us you know maybe something about catholic radio that you'd like to share but but anything that you'd like to share during these last four minutes? Yes. I think, or I believe, the Americans are very generous. Mm, yes. They are very generous. Like in my country, in that, you know, on the poor villages, you can find a packet of food, said, from your friends in America. It comes from, with, through FAO, World Food Program. Mm -hmm. That makes America so great. And the people think everybody is a Christian or a Catholic because of the money. Mm. Like in Zimbabwe, we use the American dollar. And it's written in God we trust. You will never convince them that Americans are bad. They say America is great. Mm. Mm. In God they trust. Yeah. Yes. So you are well respected with my people mm. because of what you do. You send food for us. We use your money and it's written in God we trust. So America will remain great and um, be great and powerful. However, when these missionaries were there, I observed something. The priest was coming here for summer holiday. 
and he appointed my mother to be in charge of the Eucharist, mm. to take the Eucharist and give to the people. There were 12 nuns. He never gave them. He gave my mother. Mm. And the people were so angry. Say, how can he give a woman to touch the communion where the, the men are around, you know, like the nice, it's in Joseph Guild. Everybody was angry. But very later, we have to wake up from that slumber and say, ah, he's an American priest. He knows, you know, women are also great. In a way, they are so good. We have to share the ministry. Very late, we have to, to understand, say, yes, America is great. They have to give the rights, uh, all the rights, you know, to women, to mothers, not to abuse women. Mm. So he taught us something in that village. Mm. For three months, my mother was opening the tabernacle, giving communion. Maybe she is the first woman or the first Eucharistic minister in the whole country. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The, the people will not, they, they will not allow a lay person to touch the Eucharist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They will revolt. So we took it from Father and uh, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. I'd like to get your last thought and then um, if you would I'd like to receive your blessing to each of us here in the studio as well as out through the airwaves. So a prayer. Mm-hmm. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As, as it, it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, now and, and ever, ever shall be. be. World, world without, without end. end. Amen. God, our Father, we thank you for the gift of giving. We thank you for all the gifts you have given us. Give us the grace to participate in this mission, the mission of broadcasting, the mission of spreading the gospel, the mission of teaching and preaching. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Would you like to have your underwriting as a sponsor for this Double-Edged Sword show? Your underwriting could run three times with this show, and the show runs five times a week. Interested? Call me, Donetta, at 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.